Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, transformational change, and of course, tech as a force for good. I'm your host, Professor Sally Eves, and today we have a special feature on all things actualization when it comes to enabling sustainability impact that can truly scale, and particularly the role of technology leadership within this. As you know, it's a subject very close to heart. And to do exactly this today, I'm delighted to be joined now by Nicola Piele Malta, Director of Sustainability Innovation at VMware. A very warm welcome to the show, Nicola. Great to have you here. Yeah, great to be here, Sally. Fantastic. So perhaps a you know, great way to start is find out a bit more yourself, your role at VMware and something that really matters to you. Perhaps a moment that's meant something along the way that really stands out. I'm sure it inspire our audience. And kind of as a start of the 10, one thing I really noticed about your background, I love the fusion. So technology, engineering, environmental science together, all those diversity of experience coming together. I love that. Yeah, thanks, Sally. So uh, my, my current role at VMware is Director of Sustainability Innovation. And that's a recognition that VMware's virtualization technology can help customers, the more they use of it, can help customers shrink the data center and IT footprint of their operations. And to me, that's, uh, that's the essence of sustainability innovation, where you can bring, bring together uh, sustainability with business value, business drivers, because that way, if it's economic, if there's business drivers, you can actually scale that sustainability impact. So that was, uh, for me, this is the perfect job at VMware. And it's really a culmination in my journey from having decided early on that uh, sustainability and environmental issues were important to me. And I ended up getting a PhD in environmental engineering science in the 90s. I like to say before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and unfortunately, when I graduated, there wasn't a whole lot in terms of what I could do uh, to get ahead of issues, right? So there was always compliance, or you know, uh, cleaning up pollution or spills or things like that. But I really wanted to think about how could we uh, get ahead of this and really drive sustainability as a, as a design principle. Uh, and and uh, I, I latched on to Rocky Mountain Institute in the 90s for that very reason, because they saw the opportunity for sustainability uh, could have direct business value. So efficiency was, was kind of an early obvious uh, opportunity. But now we see there's lots of ways that we could design in sustainability for competitive advantage because you actually end up building a better mousetrap. And that's really what excites me and how we can move forward with sustainability and business kind of hand in hand. Totally agree. And it made me smile when you were saying that because I'm in kind of a similar position in terms of something I've been so active in for a long period of time. And now we have this, I don't often use this phrase, but it is kind of a tipping point of momentum around this and this resonance around sustainability and the SDGs more broadly, kind of music to my ears. I love the fact that we're really pushing forward, you know, not just talking about sustainability actions and a better transparency, but combining that with commitment and accountability too. So really going in the right direction. So I love that. I also love the way you were talking about that embedded by design, absolutely critical as well. And as a shared value proposition, you know, you can do well by doing good. And I think, again, not just the pandemic, but even things like the energy crisis, there's a far, far bigger resonance now around you know, managing consumption. And that can be good for your business in terms of efficiency and reducing costs, et cetera. But it's also good for the environment and social impact and resonance with what your consumers and partners are asking for too. So really dynamic times at the moment. And actually on that note, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you know, what your customers are asking you for or ecosystem partners too about sustainability impact and how has that changed over recent times? I think what we're seeing is kind of a maturation 
of corporate sustainability uh, management and goals. So in the early days, it was about efficiency and saving money, right? So that was sort of uh, the early, the kind of the first step beyond having to comply with regulations. And then there's a, a more mature stance is a recognition that this is core to the business. And I, and I kind of liken the way security became a core theme for, for businesses, right? In the early 2000s, people weren't spending money on, on security. Uh, they, they, even though the threat was out there, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't imminent and therefore people weren't building it into their solutions. They weren't uh, integrating it into their environments. And then of course we started having all the breaches, security breaches, and it became a very critical issue and everybody was scrambling. And now it's sort of a, a duh, like if you don't have security built in, you're not gonna be able to sell your product. Uh, and I think we're seeing that for sustainability where companies are recognizing not only on the risk side. So, so many, many companies have kind of risk exposure. So if you think about climate change and if you're kind of fossil fuel related industry um, or, or even um, uh, on the food industry, right? There's a huge risk of the food supply chain in, in, for, for uh, food, food related companies. And so they're starting to see there is an enormous risk to their supply chains, to their businesses, whether it be from regulation, from consumer demand, or shifting in consumer. Uh, so, so I think, and then, so that's on the risk side, but then I also think there's the huge opportunity. I mean, we have so many challenges, right? And if you're the company that comes up with that solution, there's an enormous marketplace now opening up for you. And I think businesses, uh, the, the thought leaders, the forward-thinking companies are not looking it's amazing to think that some companies are still looking at it as a tree hugger issue, right? And not as a business mission. There's, but there's, so there's risks out there, there's opportunities out there. And, and the, I would say, if you think about the, the, um, is that, what is it? The, 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 the chasm, crossing the chasm, right? You have, you have the uh, visionaries um, that we've seen, like the Patagonias of the world, the, um, the Unilevers of the world. And then we start to see the early adopters. Uh, and, and now we're starting to see mainstream adopters recognizing the opportunity for uh, sustainability integrated into their businesses. So. Oh, absolutely. It's that point about integration, isn't it? It's not you know, an add-on or a nice to have, it's an imperative. Yeah. It has to be embedded right throughout the life cycle, product service and, and ethos and value. And your point there about competitive advantage and opportunity, again, another thing that really struck me, I, I get involved in quite a lot of research and one that really came to the fore was the fact that consumers, what they're looking for um, has evolved quite significantly. Um, but equally, you know, in the past, maybe it would be like the, the, the quality of customer service, the availability, the functionality, the aesthetic, but value, yeah. values alignment is right up there. That purpose-driven business is, you know, a reason for people to switch their brand relationship. They feel that value alignment isn't there. So it's right up there. So brilliant points there. Fantastic. And perhaps we could start drilling into some of the actions, some of the how to address these types of challenges as well. And maybe kind of starting at the beginning, because I love the fact that VMware has been involved in this, like, like yourself and myself. This is a long term commitment and the 20 year anniversary, I think, really, in terms of commitment to, to sustainability right from the very onset, which is fantastic. And I saw that some of the earliest projects that I came across were things, for example, on the VMware campus, things like the solar powered microgrid. Really, really interesting, but also the ability to identify and reclaim unused computing capacity as well. Just a couple of examples I came across that were early ones. Perhaps we could start with a few early projects and I'd love to kind of move us through the trajectory of things you've been involved in and some of the partnerships along the way too. Yeah, sure. So, so obviously there's 
uh, I think when a company is first starting out, they look at their own internal operations and how can we improve through efficiency, through renewable energy, uh, conservation, that sort of thing. Uh, and then the next phase really is how can we help our customers and do we have an opportunity through our, our products? And VMware, I think, was born on the legacy of virtualization in terms of taking uh, what used to be, say, a thousand servers to run a thousand applications to be able to run those thousand applications on, say, a hundred servers. So there's a 90% reduction in the amount of IT infrastructure that companies would need. And that was sort of just the baseline of our uh, product uh, sustainability, um, you know, the inherent sustainability of our solution. And then uh, in 2015, we, we really decided that we, one, we wanted to quantify that impact and use that uh, awareness as, as a means of inspiration. Like what else can we do? We know there's so much more opportunity to shrink the amount of infrastructure needed to run workloads because there's a lot of unused capacity out there. Uh, and so we set um, an innovation goal to try to integrate sustainability thinking into our product development. So for example, we have the capability to find oversized virtual machines, which is uh, a, a sort of an a, a computing asset that has been configured to use uh, so much uh, CPU and memory. And then we find that as it's running, it's not using that much at all. And what you can do is you can then reconfigure it to, you, to be configured to use less, and that can free up the resources to then add more, be able to support more workloads on that same infrastructure. So it's one, it's great for business in the sense that you're saving money because you're not having to buy as many servers to run your workloads. Um, but it's also obviously if you have fewer servers, that's less material impact, less energy consumption, less carbon emissions. And along the same lines, uh, we're, we're developing a solution to be able to find zombie uh, zombies and zombies are like a like a very cool topic yes. or, or passion of mine too. Which is and to to explain it simply is if you take out your phone and you look at the applications on your phone that you haven't used in maybe a year, right? Those are zombie applications. So they're taking up space in your phone, and then maybe eventually you run out of space on your phone. You have to buy a new phone, which is expensive, or you have to take time to clean up and delete those apps that you're not using. So, and, and, I, and I liken it to just basic human behavior. You know, we're not good at cleaning up our toys after we're done playing with them. <laughs> and so uh, people you know, are, are, have these projects and they deploy virtual machines to, to, for their projects. And then maybe they leave the company or maybe the project ended um, successfully, unsuccessfully, or maybe they leave the, the, the group and they've left their toys out there running, consuming uh, uh, resources, taking up space, uh, chewing up energy, and, and it's completely unproductive for the business. So we think there's a huge opportunity. And, and, and when it's been studied, and this is not just these virtual servers, but physical servers are out there. Um, I, I think if you just look at all the junk in our closets, right, those are all zombies. And the idea is there's an enormous, uh, maybe 20 to 50% of our physical and virtual resources are not being used at all for any business value. So there's an enormous opportunity there to find those zombies and recoup them. And it's not an easy problem. It sounds like it might be easy, but it's not. And that's why the problem hasn't been solved yet. And I believe that VMware is very well positioned to, to, to do that. We also have things like uh, disaster recovery as a service. And what that means is many companies have backup data centers 
in case for business continuity, in case there's a problem with their main data center, they need to quickly shift over. And so many companies have a physical data center that's just kind of sitting there, maybe being half used or not being used at all, waiting for that emergency. So we have a service where you can put that backup capacity in the cloud and it's there for you to use, but it's actually being used in other ways. So that infrastructure is busy supporting workloads, but it's at the ready when you need it for your business continuity. So you can imagine taking a, a full data center, which could be you know megawatts of energy and shutting that down and then being able to have that a, a significantly smaller footprint in the public cloud uh, for that backup capacity. So those are just kind of a few examples, I think, that are really oh, that's fun. brilliant. No, brilliant. It really brings it to life. I love that. I love the range of examples you brought to the fore there as well. Um, it reminded me, actually, I want to do a little bit of a shout out. Nicholas does some amazing articles. You talked about thought leadership a few moments ago, and you've really put together kind of a series of developments that kind of track this, this trajectory of innovation. And I think it's kind of also spearheaded. The fact that this role sits within the office of CTO said so much as well. Yeah. I love that leadership around that. I think it's so, so important. It really sets the importance around this. And I wanted to put a flag out you you described I, I talk in pillars and I, you could you described in one of your articles kind of like a five pillar description about how to address sustainable computing kind of right from that visualization point of view and some of the areas around visibility that came to the fore just now all the way through to how to you might power workloads with re renewable energy is one example but I wanted to put a shout out that to recommend people to take a look and we'll put that series in the show notes too because it's packed full of fantastic examples and I love the history and trajectory over time it really shows that deep seated commitment love that yeah, thanks, Sally. And, and I think um, you make a really good point about our group sitting <clears throat> within the office of the CTO, because it is a recognition that there's an innovation opportunity here. A lot of times sustainability teams will sit under in marketing, for example, or, you know, no wonder we're accused of greenwashing, right? Uh, or even or even the legal team, or because it's more of a, think thought of as more of a compliance. And so, but another piece of that is we think of our team as sort of the subject matter experts around carbon emissions and carbon footprinting and uh, how do you, uh, you know, how do you actually, what, what is a sustainability innovation? But in reality, this is everyone's job, right? Yes. So if you're a software developer, if you're a product manager, if you're a finance person, everybody has a role in uh, making sustainability happen, sustainability innovation happen. Uh, so I think it's a it's a lot of people think oh I want to come work in your group because I want to be part of sustainability and I, I'm like you do more good in your position uh, being a champion for sustainability and thinking through the lens of sustainability of what opportunities we have. So so true and if, funnily enough you and you have sustainability ambassadors as well throughout the different departments etc. Yeah. True I saw that which is fantastic and again it's that great way to kind of build that contagion of positive change you know I think it's so so important I, I love that and also I think it's encapsulated in things like your 2030 agenda too very much that kind of support all levels of all the organization but also support for interrelationships as well um, because I think you've got about 30 kind of cross company goals so again it's that interrelationship and mutual support I think really kind of comes to the fore to support that and give that transparency and accountability too. Yes, and I do want to point out that I'm, I represent more of the sort of the environmental sustainability component, but of course VMware has a full environmental social governance agenda and goals, and, and we definitely, as you mentioned, have a social, a, a large focus on, on social innovation uh, and, and supporting the communities we, we work in as well, yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's funny, security's come up a couple of times today so far as well. And I do think it's a really interesting kind of analogy in many ways. Um, you know, as, as you were saying, kind of shared responsibility, culture for sustainability, echoes of that with security too. But also the fact there's so many interrelationships. And I, I did some particular research and it was showing, for example, the populations that are most excluded um, from, from a DEI perspective are also the ones that have biggest issues around ESG negation, particularly around sustainability, but also biggest risk of security threats as well. There's like a triangle between the three. So again, this, this focus on interrelationships, I think is really, really huge to help address challenges like that too. So fantastic. Um, I know I've mentioned about embedded by design a few times, it's a bit of a catchphrase of mine, but I really, really believe in that. And for that, for that as part of that, obviously from design starts with the developer role. Um, one of the things I spotted was your sustainability dashboard dedicated for developers. Could you explore a bit more about that? Because I think, A, that's great to really embed that by design, but also bringing all that information to the same place. So you've got that visibility in kind of a single plane of glass is really important too, I think. I wonder if you could explore a bit more about that one. Yeah, sure. So the dashboard, what it does is if, if you're a developer and you're working on a project, uh, it can actually track the energy and carbon footprint of your piece of software. And it can give you uh, insight into where you might have opportunity to reduce. So if you think about it, it's great to talk uh, in theory about sustainability and reducing energy and carbon. And if, but if you're a developer, you're thinking, well, how do I do that in my role? And the first step really is to under, understanding some basic concepts that obviously the energy use and therefore carbon emissions come from the CPU, the memory, the storage, the disk, all those compute resources that are running. And the idea is uh, to, to design a code architect a, a piece of software that minimizes the amount of, of those resources required to achieve the goal of that piece of software. And so to take that from a conceptual perspective and then bring it down to, well, am I doing that? Yes. <laughs> and it's, it, it's, it, the idea is called the uh, sustainable software development. And there's a group out there called the uh, Green Software Foundation. There's also um, an organization in Europe uh, and, and I, can, I can send you that uh, information. You can put that in, in the show notes. Um, but the idea is that, that we need some tangible ways to say, this is what I'm doing. Am I, how am I doing? Am I doing good? Am I doing you know, green, red, yellow? Uh, and, then, and then some ways that uh, if you're red, what can I do to improve? So it's sort of that dashboard is a, as an early um, version of, of what that could look like to bring Absolutely. that awareness to, to developers so they can take action, you know, rather than just be theory. Absolutely. It really is that empowerment, that awareness, that visibility opportunity. I love the fact as well, when I, I was drilling into that, that it's also designed not just for developers, but also managers as well. So that alignment piece is embedded within there too. And the fact you can use it kind of for sandbox, but also for official builds as well. I think that's a really huge step forward, particularly with the rise of citizen developers and things as well. I think it's, yeah, it's so important from that onset. Because I think sometimes when we've looked at sustainability, we're trying to retrofit things. So the more we can do things right at the very start and it becomes kind of part of mindset yeah. as well yeah. to consider these considerations it's absolutely huge so I love that yeah it's sort of like a be best practices really and definitely and it's very much a, a, an early uh you know th this work is evolving evolving so what are the best practices what are the tools what are the metrics we use and this is some of the work that the green foundation is doing the green software foundation uh that was born out of a number of companies um like microsoft and accenture uh, who got together recognizing that this is bigger than than any individual company to to achieve. Uh, and so there's lots of work to be done. Uh, we had we've just had had a series of sustainable software 
uh, development um, tech talks uh, for our internal employees uh, in, in conjunction with AWS. Uh, so, so AWS has a lot of tools that they that they have available. Um, I'm sure other public cloud companies as, do as well to again help help uh, developers be more efficient. So, they, uh, AWS has their um, five pillars, and they yes. recently added the sustainability pillar. So, they have performance, they have security, um, and uh, cost pillars, but then this one is the sustainability pillar. So, it's giving you tools and insight and metrics so that you can uh, design your software more, more sustainably. So it's, it's really good to see the, the momentum here. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, you teed me up for where I was planning to go next, actually. So, so naturally, kind of the power of partnership. It really is. There's a phrase, isn't there, about going further, faster together. And it, it really is. And I mean, for me, I think probably the biggest learning um, experience from the pandemic, as one example, is what we can do. The power of the collective coming together, you know, what we did for, for healthcare, you know, things like vaccine development and things like the HPC Consortium, where you've got organisations that once would have competed actually coming together for a common cause, doing open data sharing, et cetera and really accelerating and breaking down traditional innovation curves. It was absolutely exceptional. And I think that's a great kind of benchmark of what we can do for other challenges too. And kind of on that on that area and partnership, you mentioned a couple there already, fantastic. And I wonder if we could highlight around Zero Carbon Committed or ZCC as well, right. public cloud provider initiative, brilliant. I wonder if we could drill in and share more um, with the audience about that one. Yeah, sure. So VMware, you know, we have our, our virtualization software and we're, many companies want to move from on-premise into the cl public cloud. And so we recognize that what we should do is partner with all the public clouds out there and have our software running in those public clouds so that companies can make a seamless transition of their workloads from on-prem into the public cloud. And we, we have over 4,000 public cloud partners. So you can imagine the enormous footprint of energy and carbon and, and materials that that represents around the world. And we felt with our Zero Carbon Committed, which is a vision that by 2030, all VMware public clouds would be zero carbon through energy efficient operations and renewable energy powered data centers. Uh, so we thought, well, we could use our, our connections and influence with these partners, public cloud partners to, to, to make that happen. So uh, we have zero carbon committed partners that uh, have this commitment to 100% renewable energy powered data centers by 2030 and are running VMware's full suite of virtualization, which means that they're, they're, they're running that infrastructure as productively and as efficiently as possible. So we have that efficiency side plus renewable energy powered uh, data centers. And so customers can easily find ZCC partners uh, if they're trying to find partners that can help them with their own sustainability goals. So they can go into the customer portal, look up a partner, public cloud partner that, that meets their needs their technical needs and also is committed to this zero carbon future uh, and, and easily find those partners. So rather than have to sort through the 4,000. So, so that was number one was, was that was a benefit for both our customers and those partners. But we also have an education program because there are so many more partners that aren't even beginning this renewable energy journey, the zero carbon journey. So we wanted to, so we have uh, and on, on the, I, I can also provide you the link to that, but on that uh, resource page, we have a number of say studies and white papers that speak to the growth in companies looking for suppliers who can help them with their uh, zero carbon goals. And, and so if a, if a cloud partner is not aware of this trend among 
among companies looking for these zero carbon partners, this is a way to bring this to their attention and, and sort of set an urgency as to why they should be starting to think about setting renewable energy power goals. We also released a, 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 a training module series on why you should be setting a renewable energy goal, how to set a renewable energy goal, and then how to execute on it. And so that's a series that's available to our public cloud partners. It's actually on YouTube too, so it's available to the world. And we think it would be helpful for our other partners and our customers and anybody really who is uh, new to this topic. And then finally, we've partnered with the Clean Energy Buyers Alliance, which is a consortium of companies that are wanting uh, that have set renewable energy goals and are learning how to execute on and buy renewable energy around the world. And so we have a six month free trial membership for our public cloud partners to join the Clean Energy Buyers Association. And then eventually they can turn that into a, a full-time membership. So we really wanna try to uh, explode uh, this, this uh, ecosystem of partners that have the awareness around the need to set renewable energy goals and, and start, start on that journey. That's Brett. I love that. Again, I mean, education and technology, I always say they go hand in hand. And again, for, for many organizations, everybody's on a different path on, the, on this journey in different stages and helping people kind of benchmark where they are and where to start and the incremental steps you can do along the way. I think kind of breaking down the challenge. Otherwise, it can seem so huge, can't it? If you see what I mean, Absolutely. breaking down those steps, <laughs> sharing best practice. It's got to be the way forward. I couldn't agree more strongly. Mm hmm. And on that note, actually, one thing I did want to mention a little bit more was about measurement. I think it's always been one of the bigger challenges around, around sustainability impact and, and SDGs more broadly about how you go to scale that impact, but also measure it over time. And that obviously helps with getting buy-in, but also making progress and benchmarking that along the way. I'd love to see what you were doing around that area, because I noticed um, there was an introduction of Green Score in Asia, which was really supporting tracking. You mentioned another example as well, but I'd love to hear just a bit more about the measurement challenge and how you're addressing it, because I really think it's one of the most pivotal points in terms of scaling sustainability action. Yeah, sure. So if you think about um, how, what is the impact of our data centers, uh, you can think about, generally it's in terms of energy and carbon and water and material footprint, but that you, most uh, developers and IT operators, data center operators, they don't have that visibility, right? They may have uh, what's the utilization, maybe what's the power consumption. So what we're trying to do is, is bring those direct metrics, the energy, the carbon associated with those operations to the forefront and visible to the users. So they can then take, and, and also provide the ability to take action on that data. Because we feel like the data is so important because it brings that awareness. It's a kind of an objective metric of how you're doing and are you getting better, are you getting worse? But also that the data is, takes you so far, then you say, okay, I'm, I'm not doing well. The idea is now we can provide some suggestions about, well, what can you do to improve? Because we wanna make that data actionable. So with the green score, what we're doing is we're measuring the energy consumption of the virtual machine. So those individual compute resources that are running on the servers that may be associated with a business uh, organization or a project, and we are, uh, then taking that the, the actual real-time energy and estimating the real-time carbon associated with that and making that visible. So you can see it at the very granular level, at this VM level, and then maybe at the business organizational level, at the project level, at the company level. So rolling it up and then showing, uh, giving kind of score about 
well, what what's causing that, say, carbon footprint? So is the energy behind it renewable energy powered? Uh, do you have old infrastructure that is less energy efficient than newer infrastructure, newer servers could be? Um, do you have uh, any zombies or idle infrastructure that you could be, or resizing them, right? That you could be recouping those unused resources and getting more utilization out of that infrastructure. So we feel like a lot of these have direct business value um, if companies uh, take action on it. So we're trying to marry those base baseline metrics with actionable um, things that people can do to improve. Oh, absolutely. And it, it coming to the fore, you know, visibility, integration in so many areas is absolutely key. And I think this example that you brought to the fore there really exemplifies that. We need to make it simpler, easier, in the same place, granular, as you were describing as well. That's so, so important, as it is in other areas as well. I and mean, we, we keep hearing about complexity being a big, big challenge. So this integration piece, I think, is huge. And also, when you think about the fact that with ESG as well, there's going to be new kind of compliance and governance requirements as well. So that integration integration of this data to the right role at the right time, this active intelligence to inform decision making. It's absolutely huge. So I love the fact that, that you drew into that as well. Um, yeah, Zoe, I think, um, sorry, to your earlier point about it takes more, it takes a village, right? Yes. And, and so VMware, we have visibility into the, the VMware real estate in our customers' environments, but we may not have visibility to the other infrastructure that's part of that data center ecosystem, or maybe they're using in the cloud. So we may not always have visibility into the full suite of, um, of resources and infrastructure that's being used by the customer. And so really what we need is uh, everybody to come together with their own metrics from their own systems, right? And then pull them together so that we have a unified view, kind of a, we call it a multi-cloud view. So we're trying to, we're trying to work with that with our multi-cloud uh, or public cloud partners, but it's, uh, yeah, we're just at the very beginning here, so. That's super interesting. And, and there's something that's coming out next year, um, kind of moving beyond um, ROI or return on investment to return on social impact evaluated or rosy as, as I kind of have a little moniker for it. But that's very much about that, that keyword consistency you mentioned there, because I think it is hard, you know, whether you're a consumer or an ecosystem partner, et cetera, um, it's hard to make comparable um, evaluations sometimes in terms of some of the reporting that comes out. And for example, as you said, sometimes that reporting can be incomplete. So for example, about scope emissions, you might only be reporting on internal ones, but not some of the external ones. So it's bringing this together, all coming together to support that, but the consistency and comparability of reporting, I think is one of the next kind of stages that people are looking, you know, coming together for. Yeah. And so it's fantastic. Yeah. You're really doing leadership there as well. And I'd love to discuss that more as well, because a big, big kind of uh, interest of mine, that one I'm doing a lot on at the moment. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, from my early days, I used to work at Akamai Technologies, and I started doing the carbon footprinting there. And I think you you can't let the uh, perfect be the enemy of the good, right? So so it's it's going to be an evolution. And the, the idea is don't don't let the fact that you don't have all the data stop you from starting, right? So, so use the data you have, you can make estimates of what you don't have. And then over time, you can refine that data. So I think there's a lot of criticism right now about uh, you know that, that some companies aren't making data available. Um, so I think it's just a matter of tr doing your best to, to make that footprint or, or that measurement and then letting people know where, where the gaps are and how you're going to improve over time. Because what, what we did see was over time, we did get better and better data, more accurate data uh, and, and refined data. So, so yes, you could be very 
maybe far off in the beginning, but at least if you're transparent about that, the, the accuracy level of the data, um, don't let that uh, stop you from getting started. Yeah, and, th and then we'll see, you know, like, like in any industry, you start off with lots of um, people doing things different ways and, and, and then you get, over time, you get more consensus about what's the right way to do it and consolidation and standardization. So I think we're, we're, we're gonna see that over time. And what's really important here too is the demand from customers. Because one of the things we see is our customers have set these their own decarbonization goals, and then those those corporate goals get trickled down to people who have to actually execute on those goals. And they may not have. We're finding a lot of our customers, the people we talk to, have no clue. Like I don't know even where to start about how to how to get my carbon footprint. Uh, and so the idea is. Um, is it's an opportunity for VMware, right? To say, hey, we can provide you with a report that shows you the carbon footprint of your VM, VMware estate. Uh, so, so I think it's just, again, it's gonna take a village and that customer interest and demand is, is what's going to drive companies to, to provide that data and information. Absolutely. And the facilitation role that you were talking about there, you know, from trusted partners like yourself, really, really key and valuable as well. And I love your point there about the fact that, you know, there's always a place to start. Don't let, you know, it's a messy challenge. We all know it's complicated and there's lots of interrelationships, but making the start has got to be the way to go. You can take those in incremental steps. We've got a community here. There's a lot of mutual support and a lot of best practice sharing. So things can be done. So I think that's really important too. And don't be afraid. That's kind of my kind of personal advice as well. I I've heard in, in some of the consultations I've had, people, organizations not wanting to put out certain data because they'd said there was going to be a certain target and maybe they hadn't reached it. Yeah. Whereas I was saying, if you explain the why, you know, the, the path that's been taken and that people do understand these are difficult challenges. But if you're transparent about that and talk about that in the way, actually, you'll develop more trust rather than the opposite because people really appreciate that. And there's some really interesting research around trust that really echoed that as yeah. well. So, again, absolutely, don't be afraid to start. And people do understand it can be complicated and there will be there'll be steps forward but there'll be challenges along the way that this coming together is what it's all about isn't it yeah and that's that that's actually what is a fabulous point that's it worries me a little bit about the integrated reporting that that companies are driving towards which means integrating their sustainability reporting or the esg reporting into their 10k yeah. uh, because i think what what worries me about that is the the perspective not the perception, but I think the standard of the data that goes into the 10K is opens you up for sort of liability. Yes. And I worry that if companies are setting goals, companies are setting ambitious goals right now and knowing that they may or may not be able to achieve them. Uh, but to your point, being very transparent about the challenges, uh, what the goals are and, and how they're trying to achieve them. And maybe they, if they don't get there, then sort of resetting. And I worry a little bit that if that goes into the 10K, will that stifle that, yeah. um, that ambition, the, the willingness to try and knowing that you could fail? Uh, so yeah, so it's an, that's an interesting conversation that I'm hearing more recently, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I could speak to you for another hour really easily. I, I really love this conversation, but I know we need to kind of bring things to, to a bit of a close. So maybe one area as a kind of final question. Now for 2023, is, is there anything that you're particularly excited about that you feel is on the horizon? That um, could be from a technology standpoint, or it could it could just be from, from, for example, the partnership and new collaborations coming together. I'd love to kind of leave it on a, on a note for the future, something that you're excited about or would love to see happen kind of as the next frontier in our impact for sustainable innovation. 
Yeah. So I think one of the things that excites me, uh, and it's it's not a great thing in the terms of, you know, if you look at Europe and you mentioned earlier about the, the need to uh, conserve energy. And I think that's a crisis that's driving awareness around uh, the need to conserve energy and the opportunity we have to do that. And, and you always say, never let a crisis go to waste, right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, so, so we're seeing a lot of demand and it's driving awareness in VMware about the importance and the opportunity we have to help our customers around energy efficiency in their data centers. And I think that's going to open up, it's a, sort of a, opening up a Pandora's box of opportunity and awareness that uh, you know, developers, like they, they now understand, okay, this is how we can help customers be more efficient. Uh, so, so I think it's going to give us an extra um, accelerate that learning and the uh, the desire uh, and, and ambition to to innovate around this topic. Just very similar to the way security became a hot topic uh, in the early 2000s and drove a lot of innovation there. So I'm excited about that. And the, as you mentioned, the collaboration with customers because they're reaching out to us more and more, and as well as partners uh, that we're seeing, uh, you know, taking that village and bring it together and really driving progress together. Absolutely, I love that. It really is. I think it's this journey that is one that's based on the collaboration we've spoken about, that co-innovation and coming together. And it is right across the ecosystem. It's employees, it's customers, it's partners, et cetera. And if we do this the right way, we can achieve that shared value outcomes we've been talking about so much today. And we can redefine the future. I really do believe that. So thank you, Nicola. Honestly, it's been an absolute delight speaking to you today. And thank you for all the work you're collectively doing as well around leadership here. It really is really inspiring. So I appreciate that very much. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Sally. Take care. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you all for listening and watching. And as Nicola said earlier as well about some of these great project examples and resources, we'll be sharing this in the show notes and on the website, etc. too. So you can follow up in more detail and find something. Hopefully it will inspire you and support you in your sustainability journey too. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.